So good to see all of you. As we said, Happy New Year. What a great uh, season. Yes, Happy New Year. Thank you. I need that. Keep that going. I, if I could dance, I would do a happy dance that 2021 is here, but I'm a terrible dancer, so I will not show you that. So it's always a wonderful time to kind of look back and just remember about the year, even though there were many struggles, there was a lot to be thankful for. We were uh, talking amongst our staff, and Lauren Ballard was encouraging us to uh, find uh, elements of joy and find things to be thankful for. And we were just kind of pondering that and thinking about that. And before moving on to 2021, I just wanted to thank God and thank him for some of the things that, um, you know, we learned and some things that we experienced as a church. And, uh, and later on in the teaching, I really want to challenge the church, maybe with some, some difficult things to say. Um, so I've been really praying that God would just give me the right tone and the right words to share this. But I do want to start off with some things that we learned. One of the things I learned from last year is that not everybody's been washing their hands all of my life. I did not know that. Uh, as someone that's a little OCD that's constantly washing my hands, I'm like, who's not washing their hands? What is going on? We have to be told that. I think some of us also realized wearing the masks how terrible our breath is. Wow. Um, yes, there's some, some serious revelation there that we probably need like a whole group confession, right? We apologize to everyone around us for the last few years. Some, some insight there. Um, but God has uh, challenged us and, and taught us lots of things from last year. And again, I think one of the things that we've learned is that in the midst of really difficult things, God's people rise up and God continues to do some really awesome things. We've shared this before, but a lot of people last year gave their life to Christ. A lot of people began a relationship with Jesus. That is something to be celebrated. And when we look back and we think, oh, you know, everything that this year was, for some people, that was the beginning of their spiritual journey. And that is so exciting. Not many weeks ago, we had 11 people get baptized to show that public confession of their faith. That was so exciting. I'm remembering back even to Man Makers and Women's Weekend in February, right before the pandemic. That seems like three years ago, doesn't it? But we had like 300 men together for a conference and about 500 women uh, that went to Women's Weekend. And that was a fantastic time to be together uh, right before we had to uh, distance. I'm also just super thankful over the summer um, when we got to meet outside, we had some amazing, beautiful weather. And at the highest uh, attendance of those, some of those Sunday services in September, October, we had about 300 people coming back. And out of a, a, a church of 600, um, that was pretty encouraging. It was so wonderful to see people's faces and to fellowship again. Um, again, I just want to thank all of you because I'm talking about community today. And I'm talking about how important our relationships are, and I want to challenge us in that. But I have seen many of you step up and press through those hurdles to be connected in a way that God wants us to be connected. Again, I'm just thinking of the people that just did encouraging things for others, that, that kept small groups going one way or another so that we could talk and we could connect and that was so good for our spiritual lives, so good for our mental health, the meals that people provided. There was generosity to our international uh, students in town through Global Connections, just giving them food and giving them gift cards to tell them that we loved them. I'm so thankful for our church. We provided over 100 boxes of toys and other toys for Operation Christmas Child and the, the Santa's helpers in town and Vision Ministries in Toledo. You guys really stepped up uh, for all of you that participated in that. Thank you so much for being a light in a dark place. 
so many other things um, of all the turkeys and the hams and again the notes Mary Lynn and I got a knock at the door last night um, and I won't say who it is because they probably wouldn't want me to but somebody just came with a box of goodies and really important in that box of goodies was coffee which I was so thankful for and some chocolates and a nice note and we shut the door as like a three-minute interaction we're like wow that was so awesome what a huge blessing and I want to challenge our church to continue to step up and give me coffee. That's the message today. No, to step up and encourage one another and serve one another, to find creative ways to bless one another. And again, for all of you that have gone through the hurdles to do that in small groups and in relationships, thank you. The, the, the pastors, the staff, the leaders, all of you in the congregation that have done that, it has been a huge blessing um, I was reminiscing and just thinking about relationships and I was thinking about last year and sometimes at the end of the year you kind of go through your phone and you're looking at pictures and you kind of get a smile on your face thinking about relationships and I was thinking about last New Year's Eve. I have a picture for you. This is not from this New Year's Eve, but this is from last year. And let me explain this picture. Over here is our friend Sarah Justin Toledo. This is Sarah Wiles, Brian's wife, my wife right here, the blonde, and then over here from Toledo, Gretchen Osheski. Now, this is pre-COVID. Look at Pastor Matt Osheski behind, behind this glass you know, window, socially distancing. Isn't that amazing? Can you see that? What a prophetic, wise man. Before the pandemic even came, he had an awareness that something was happening. I'm trying to make you laugh right now. But I saw that picture, and I just burst out laughing. There's Matt Osheski, our Toledo pastor, hiding behind a glass from a distance. He's so wise. He's so, he, he, he saw all this foreshadowed. Anyway, uh, in, in light of this teaching, and here's the big idea for today. Don't socially distance if necessary, physically distance. Okay, I'm trying to be a little edgy and controversial here, but let me explain this and clarify. We have been kind of tricked a little bit about socially distancing where we have relationally and emotionally and maybe spiritually distanced from people. We probably should have said through this whole year to physically distance and not socially distance. And when I was thinking about preaching this message, I was confirmed because I happened to see um, the Lake Superior State University poll and, and article that they put out about misused words from 2020. Have you guys ever heard of these lists? Lake Superior, uh, they, they put out, they're a college, and they put out this list of words that we should no longer use in 2021. They've been doing this since like 1970. And uh, everybody sends their words and suggestions. And it's not just words, it's phrases. Okay, and 1,400 words came in for consideration. And this university picks their top 10. Now, seven of them had to do with COVID. There's no surprise there. But some of them were like, hey, we should stop overusing unprecedented. That's on the list, right? It's overused. Nothing's unprecedented. Um, these all things have happened before in human history. Another one that's overused is, we're all in this together. Are you tired of hearing that? I have learned from this year, we're not all in this together. Uh, so we should probably uh, think about the use of that um, and all kinds of other COVID things. Um, but the one that was on the list that really stuck out to me was socially distancing. That was on the list that we should 
stop using or overusing in 2021. And so I want to talk to you about our connection with one another. And what has this year meant to us and how we can go into a new year with a new thought, with a new vision of not just surviving for ourselves, but to thrive in our relationships. And we talk about this a lot at H2O, about community and about connection and about transparency and about fellowship. And we always go back to this familiar passage because this is kind of a foundation of our church with the up, in, and the out, and the in being our connection with each other, the up, of course, our relationship with God, and the out is serving our community and loving our community so that they might know Jesus also. But in part, we always talk about Acts chapter 2. So let's bring our eyes to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to point out nine things in here later on from this passage about the community of the early disciples, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Again, this is a foundational passage for Christian churches all over the world. This was a model of how to be in community with one another for the last 2,000 years. These ideas, these spiritual disciplines, these mandates on our behalf to be watching out for each other and how to practice this walk with Jesus together. Now, let me clarify. I understand last year through so many hurdles at us, Many of these things that we take for granted of having meals together, we had to come up with new ways and new hurdles to try to obey God's word. But Acts chapter 2 and other passages like it are so clear to us in Scripture when it comes to our relationships. We're never excused from obeying God's commands. And that's what I want to challenge you with today because here's our concern. I had a conversation with uh, an individual recently. And they had a story that I'm, I'm wondering if that's many people's story. So they said, you know, we started off and we just weren't sure what to do with this whole pandemic. And, and we kind of were coming to church, but then we decided to just watch the live stream. And then that kind of went on for a while. And we just kind of like drifted from our friendships. We stopped talking to people as much. Then we got kind of tired of the live streams and we just stopped watching the live streams too. And then we found ourselves just saying, wow, is it Sunday? We haven't talked to any friends and we have no church experience. Our concern is that that's many people's story. And again, I, I throw this out as a sensitive clarification. Many people have had to physically distance for their health, or the health of the people around them. People have had convictions and concerns, and that makes total sense in everything that's going on. But what I want to challenge you with today is did that go too far? Did that drift into something spiritual that God did not want for you? 
Here's those nine things that the Bible says we should be involved in no matter what is going on in our world. Let me just list them again in case you didn't catch them. First of all, they were in the Word. Are you in God's Word? Are you reading God's Word? Are you in some environment where you can be processing God's Word and talking about the Scriptures together? That's a really important part of our journey. And as we start our small groups up, or you're coming up with other creative ways to discuss the Scriptures with people, we really want to encourage you to engage in God's Word and be talking with people in their Bible studies. The fellowship communion, which we're going to be doing today. We're going to take that at the same time together to remember what God did together as a community. This isn't just an individual thing with God and us, but it's us as a church, this public confession of what Christ did for us, praying for one another, experiencing this commonality again of the wins that God's doing and the struggles. What's going on great in your life? What are you grieving? Sharing these things with one another. Generosity, meals, praise and worship, and gospel mission. Remembering that as we're kind of hunkering down and, and, and trying to be safe, that there's lost people out there that don't know Jesus. And these disciples were pressured to not share the gospel. They were pressured to stop talking about Jesus. Some of them faced persecution, but they pressed through because they wanted to love the lost and bring hope to a dying world. So let me just pause and ask you, how is social distancing having effect on you spiritually? If you're listening to this right now and you're like, man, I, this just kind of turned into something that I did not see coming. I am distant from God. I'm distant from my friends. I'm not praying enough. I'm not talking to other people enough. I'm not being open about my own sins. I'm kind of just hiding in isolation. And I want to challenge you to lean into that and ask God, like, what, what should I do in this new year? How do I need to, to get back to where I need to be? You know, over the years doing ministry for three decades, a lot of conversations that I have with people that say, you know, I, I don't need the church. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I've literally heard that a hundred times. Maybe you have heard that too. And I, I agree. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. But let me challenge you. Let me be honest. You are not going to mature as a Christian without fellowship. Without relationships, you're not obeying a whole bunch of commands in the Scriptures. Because we talk about these one another commands that God has given us, they're timeless truths to be praying with one another, serving one another, confessing our sins to one another, bearing each other's burdens, lifting each other up, serving and helping in any way that we can. These one another commands happen in fellowship. And I'm not just talking about Sunday morning. I'm not talking about this one-hour obligation. We're talking about your life. We're talking about daily walking with Jesus. And you know those people that say that? You know, I don't need church. Honestly, 95% of them that I've met, this is just my opinion, they're not walking in those disciplines anyway. They're not actually practicing those things. Yeah, you don't need the church to do that. You don't need our programs. But are you taking ownership of your own life and of your family to be having communion and prayer 
and Bible reading and serving other people and sharing the gospel with your neighbor. I know for me, the community helps me do that. The community helps me to be reminded to love the people around me and get my eyes off of myself. This is what Hebrews 10 is talking about in verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us do that. Let us obey this passage. Let us today consider, chew on that, ponder creative ways. How can we spur one another on? Don't just look out for yourself and your own family, but how can I spur somebody else on? How can I love them? What good deeds could I do to gather people, to pray for people, to write them a note, to text them, to connect with them, and to help them? This is all so important. In the Bible, there's this word called ecclesia. It's this Greek word. And, you know, I ask you to ponder, what does this word mean, ecclesia? Because when people say, I don't need the church, or I don't need to go to a small group, I don't need to have fellowship, I don't need to sit down with coffee and talk with people about the Bible, or just pray with someone, or confess my sins, I don't need the ecclesia, I don't need the church, okay? Let's ponder that for a moment, because this Greek word, which we translate into church, was actually something that they used in their time before Jesus even came. And the actual word was like an organized gathering, a legislature, or a gathering of the citizens. The gathering of the kingdom. The people to gather together to plan and strategize how they might move their goals and mission together. So it is an organization. It's a legislature. That's what Ecclesia actually means. A gathering of the citizens that we use in our uh, New Testament translation as the church. It's not a building. It's not Sunday for one hour. It's a gathering of us as people to figure out what is God asking us to do, and let's do that together. You know, as I throw this challenge out, again, I, I want to say, man, thank you for those of you that are engaged in this. I, I'm just so thankful for our pastors and our staff. You know, a lot of them have different convictions about how we should have done all this. And they have, you know, tried to set aside all of us, our opinions on how to do this, just to love and to bless people. Many of our leaders, you've been leading, you've been doing small groups, you've been discipling, you're, you're really reaching out in great ways. And we are so, so thankful for that. But you know, our role is to equip the church. Our role is to empower you to do that because our pastors and staff cannot reach out to every person. We've tried and we're doing our best. But when you have a church of 600 people pre-COVID and at your very best, we were gathering 300 we're concerned. We, we're thinking about you. We're wondering, what is God doing? Are you okay? Are you out there? How can we help you and serve you? And we need the congregation to start reaching out to each other. And that's why this is a challenge. This is not a thing of shame, but it's a thing of empowerment. And I think that Paul's passage here in 2 Corinthians is a really great uh, passage to kind of decipher the difference between challenging and shaming because shame and guilt does not motivate us. Guilt and shame brings death. 
but a true conviction from God and Him speaking to us through His Spirit is what really helps us. And here's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. And the context of this passage is, you know, he was always challenging the Corinthian church. They had a lot of room for improvement. And he was always throwing out hard things to them. And this is one of those times where he had thrown out a hard challenge to them and they had responded in a great way. And he says this in verse uh, chapter 7, starting in verse 8. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, by his instructions, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. I hope you caught that there. This godly sorrow, this, this awareness from God's scriptures of like, man, I'm, and I'm in this, I'm preaching to myself here. I am tempted to only think about myself. And I need these passages, and I need the Holy Spirit to speak to me and say, Matt, get your eyes off of yourself and think of others even more. That brings a godly sorrow. That brings a repentance, and repentance means change. God, in this new year, how can I change? How can I reach out to people even more? That is what we're praying for, and that is what we're hoping for. And just to kind of like reaffirm this, you guys know that the people are coming to us so often with mental health and discouragement and depression because it's not good to be alone. Very early on in the story of God, in the book of Genesis, we've learned this lesson, right? What was the first problem in the Bible? In Genesis, very early on, even before the sin when they ate the apple, there was a problem. Do you remember that? The problem was man was alone. And it was the first not good in the Bible. God had created Adam in his image, this beautiful creation, man. And then God looked at it, and what did he say? This is good? No, he said, this is not good because he was alone. And so God did another beautiful creation in his image, made a woman so that they could be in connection. They could be in fellowship. They could be in communion. The first not good of the Bible is still true today. If you're isolated, if you're alone, it's not good. And you know, people can be together physically and still be alone. You know that, right? There's people here in the sanctuary right now. There's people physically present that could be alone. We need to be socially and spiritually connected. I would have never thought that I would cry over a volleyball in a movie. But if you have seen Castaway, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I am ashamed and but still proud to say I cried when Wilson drifted off and died. You know this movie, Castaway. He's on this island. He's deserted. I'm kind of introverted. I think, oh, you're on a beach in the ocean all by yourself? That's kind of nice. That sounds wonderful. Anybody else here feel that way? It's not that bad. Okay, but after a couple weeks, a couple months, in the loneliness, even Tom Hanks turns to a volleyball for fellowship because he's so hungry for fellowship. He's talking to a volleyball. 
And when that, he gets on that raft to go home and Wilson drifts off and dies and he's weeping, I was crying. I was in tears, a grown man crying over a volleyball. Man, it hit me. We were not meant to be alone. We'll do anything for fellowship. We want you to be connected this year. We want you to be stretched to come up with creative ways to be connected. So what are we asking you to do? For those of you that don't have a strong conviction to be separated physically, or maybe you've stayed home, you've just kind of drifted into this on the live stream, we want to encourage you to come back. Come back on Sundays if that's something that's a good, healthy, safe choice for you. As Pastor Wiles said, our small groups are starting up. For all of you students that are home right now, at, you know, waiting for the break to be over, when you come back, get engaged. Get into discipleship uh, scenarios. Get into the well. Come to these small groups. Think about going to Colorado LT this summer to be in fellowship. Make that a determination that you're going to be connected. For you families that are here, please be reaching out to other families. Again, many of you have been doing this, but I just want to encourage you all the more to be sending a text, to be calling. How, how are you doing? To be reaching out. I'm tired of Zoom calls too, but let's find creative ways. You know, maybe it's time to clean out that garage. If you've got a house, you know, put the electric heater there in the middle of the garage Invite four or five people over, sit, you know, separated with masks on and just say, hey, how are you doing? Let's pray for one another. These are steps that we need to do. H2O Kids. H2O Kids is, is open right now and we're going to be beginning to open it up even more. There's 10 families that are using it. Some kids are down there and we really want to encourage uh, you families to be bringing your kids back. The youth groups are happening. Submerge is happening. And let me just challenge you to be consistent in your convictions. If you really feel like they need to be separated for certain reasons, we respect that and we understand and we want to serve you through the live stream and we, we totally understand that. But if you're one of those families that want your kids back in schools and your kids are in sports and they're going to be there around other hundreds of kids for hours a day, or they're going to the sports things, you're going to activities, bring your kids back so they can hear about Jesus for an hour on Sundays. We want you to do that. We need more volunteers, and we look forward to all of you being back. Eric Asp is a pastor at Kent State University, and every year he does something with his kids that I just admire so much. It's called Laughing in the Face of Winter. And what he does, and I, I hate winter, so I really do appreciate this, but every winter in the dead of the cold, he'll take his kids out for summer events. They'll go do some sports. They'll go for a walk in the park. They'll put out a blanket in the snow and have a, pic a picnic. They'll go get ice cream. And I just am inspired by his creativity to overcome the obstacles to have fellowship and to live life. And so that's what we're asking all of you to do. So as we close out this teaching, one of the things that really does show uh, community and togetherness is when we celebrate communion, which we're going to do together right now. If you came in late and you're here in the sanctuary and you need to go get one of the cups, now is the time. Go ahead back. You can begin walking back as I read this passage from Matthew. If you're at home listening and you didn't catch that and you want to have communion together with us, 
we encourage you, you know, just go uh, grab something out of the kitchen. Hopefully you've got some juice and bread. And we want to remember Jesus together. Sometimes we do this separately, and that's okay. But today, in light of the teaching of togetherness, we're going to take the bread and the juice at the same time to signify our unity and our um, worship of Jesus. As this passage is going to say that Jesus was having communion with his disciples, and he was saying, my body is going to be broken for your sins. My blood is going to be shed for your sins. The death and resurrection of Christ is what gives us the ability to be together in new life, to be in community, to break down those walls, to experience God's forgiveness. Jesus willingly died so that every one of us could be cleared as white as snow. So if you've asked Jesus to come into your life, we're so thankful for that. If you have not asked Jesus to come into your life, you can do that today. You can begin a relationship with Jesus today and know that your sins are forgiven by his sacrifice and know that when you die, you're going to be with him for all eternity. And that is what we're celebrating today. So let's read together Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. Let's go ahead and take the bread together. When he had given thanks, we thank you, Jesus. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Let's celebrate his broken body right now. Then he took the cup as we do this together. And when he had given thanks, thank you so much, Jesus. He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take that together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your broken body and this wine signifying your blood, the juice signifying your shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, as we take this together, Lord, we are reminded of your great sacrifice so that we could be one with you and we could experience fellowship together. Lord, I just pray, God, that whatever last year has done to us. Maybe we're aware of it. Maybe we weren't so aware of it. Lord, would you bring us to a new place? Would you challenge every one of us today? Lord, if we've drifted from you in any way, Lord, help us to be close to you again. Lord, if we've drifted from each other and we've just we've just allowed ourselves to focus our eyes on ourselves and survival, Lord, bring our eyes to the needs around us. Move us from just surviving to thriving together this year. Lord, we need you to do this. And we give you space in our hearts to speak to us. So God, today we say together, speak to us. Open up our eyes to the needs around us and how we might love and encourage and spur one another on. 
Lord, I know this means something different for each one of us, all of us here, all of us listening on the live stream. Lord, but I believe there's something that you want us to do, something different, something new. And Lord, we're going to be able to love the people around us a little bit better this year. Help us with that. Speak to us. Help us to be obedient. God, thank you for the fellowship that we do have. We know that that's a gift from you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.